Hi and welcome everyone to C Room Rocks. This episode will be about JavaScript and TypeScript. And as you can hear, it will be a little bit more on the technical side. David is a passionate dynamic CRM developer and a six-time Microsoft MVP. He's a hardworking and passionate about getting the details right and setting a high bar for himself and others. He's enjoying lifting his colleague and the greater dynamic CRM community over that bar wherever he can and it's an important part of who he is. There's a lot of learn and do, and he's ready to get as much learning and doing as he can find. Welcome, David Barry. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. The weather here has cooled down quite a bit, and, um, you know, I'm ready to dust off my jacket for fall and, and really enjoy um, the season around here. The mountains are beautiful. Um, here in Utah where I live live right up on them and every fall they just turn gorgeous shades of gold and red yeah so it's not so much in the desert where, where that's close to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City right? Um, yes and actually I live directly in downtown Salt Lake City so um, the Desert part of it is still applicable because of how little rain we get, but it, so it's this very awkward climate where we get too little rain, um, but we get enough that everything is green. <laughs> so, so technically we're a desert, but it really doesn't seem like it. Oh, well, it's, it's nice. That's it's unusual. Though. You don't it have is. to paint paint the the grass green. No, but I I do so with water. Yeah. <laughs> My water bill tends to be pretty high mm. in the summer. So, what is CRM to you? Uh, CRM to me is really two things. Um, first, it's an application. It's a business application, and it's you know obviously designed to meet a particular need. But as a developer. Um, I love CRM because it's a platform and it allows me to build uh, entire applications very rapidly within its framework, uh, within all of the various nuts and bolts that it provides. Um, as a relational database, you know, underneath the hood and, and with a very rich uh, extensibility model. Um, I find it's it's very easy to put something new together that didn't exist before, but you know a business needs, and uh, being able to do so without having to start from scratch or live in a different framework or even divorce um, that effort from the data where all the rest of their customer information lives, and and that's one of the beautiful things of. Uh, for me about having both of those paradigms kind of beautifully married in one product. So as a CRM developer, who do you see as, as your customer? Is it the company that you work for or is it the, the company that are going to use the 
development that you produce? Honestly, my customer is the end user, and I've always felt that way. Um, you know, when I was working in consulting, uh, oftentimes my customer, the person that would you know give me my duties, as they were, would be a business analyst, you know, perhaps a program manager. But I came up in IT and help desk support, and for the first ten years of my career that was my experience was getting in with the end users the people who day in day out have to use the things that developers build and i am very keen and in tune with um user adoption as you know as a paradigm and as a practice so for me it's important to build something that works for them. And I've tried very hard to steer my career and my development skills uh, along those lines. Is it easy for you to find those end users and your customers for you and where you are right now? Where I am right now, um, yes. And that's mostly because I've stepped away from consulting and now I work for a CRM customer, you know, somebody who needs CRM in their organization and they need uh, good talent to keep the company's direction uh, technically on focus and also to help interface with our Microsoft partner, you know, so we can leverage their uh, resources, their developers and, and their expertise to to kind of augment and supplement our own in-house expertise and our own in-house resources. And I th I think honestly that the companies that can do that that have people in-house who are experts for CRM but also leverage partners and a broader skill pool um, you know during sprint cycles or during uh, particular needs um, in in a mode that is almost supportive um, co companies that can do that tend to succeed better with dynamic CRM and it's hard because finding good CRM talent is, is pretty much a universal uh, challenge yeah it, it's the same here but if we start into this bit more developer focused and so if I'm a developer then and I'm doing some JavaScript and I'm looking at TypeScript, TypeScript what is the benefits and why should I use it? TypeScript for me kind of speaks to that story of a good user experience and the reason I say that is because um, in my experience, TypeScript has helped me build better scripts um, that are m more free of bugs, or you know that that the expectation of what I write is being more clearly set and defined by using um, TypeScript than by using JavaScript alone. And what I find is that 
my scripts have to do less duck typing, for example. You know, does it walk like a duck? Does it sound like a duck? Then it's a duck. Um, and in JavaScript, that paradigm of quasi-typing is very common because there is way too much ambiguity for JavaScript in its native state. And you have to always check um, what's coming in and what's going out within that paradigm. It increases a lot. It adds overhead and it also uh, introduces another component of your script that can introduce errors. And I'm not going to say TypeScript eliminates all duck typing, but it helps minimize it to a vast degree. And as just one particular need uh, for JavaScript development, um, TypeScript certainly addresses that particular avenue. I uh, say, hey, I love looking at code and um, I articles, and so the code says something to me, and, and the way that it's written says something to me about the author. So you can get good code and bad code, no matter what your language. <laughs> uh, TypeScript for me makes it easier to understand what the script is supposed to be doing and how it's supposed to be interacting with all the various parts. But if I look at a, an ordinary CRM page and I start doing a little bit of scripting and add some scripts here and there, that that's not a lot of JavaScript code. And should I add TypeScript for that? Or is that overkill? Or is there some middle ground? You know, in my humble opinion, I think TypeScript should supplant... JavaScript for all JavaScript development, and, and maybe that's just because I love it so much. Um, but it's generally geared or pitched towards large modular application development. Um, but I have tried to distill the XRM page API, for example, into a a consumable TypeScript component, you know, something that delivers inheritance and generics and type unions um, and all the myriad features and, and type um, object-oriented uh, programming uh, methodologies and, and paradigms um, into, into even those simple scripts and those simple needs. Uh, and the reason I think it's useful and helpful, even for basic stuff, is because there in the API, there's not a lot of distinction between different types of controls. Um, so if you're working against a web resource uh, and an iframe control uh, with the API and you're using the JavaScript IntelliSense, you get all of the methods you know, that are available for every control when you perform, say, a, a get control call. Um, you know intrinsically that you're talking with an iframe control, but you're probably going to have to go 
to the SDK documentation to make sure that you know what methods are acceptable on the return for that um, you know, particular control on the form and what methods are not acceptable or what the return of those methods will be um, based on the type of control or the type of attribute that you're working against. And I find that it's faster to develop the smaller things when I don't have to split my screen between my uh, code and the SDK documentation. Uh, and the native JavaScript IntelliSense only gives you so much. So my efforts have really been toward streamlining development with TypeScript by giving them that rich definition by uh, being able to say, this is an iframe control. Uh, I know that the result of this um, method will provide me with an iframe control, and I will just call it that in my script. And that will give me some IntelliSense that only gives me the methods that are, are applicable for that control. So I will never call a method that is invalid against it. I won't get a JavaScript runtime error by trying to do something against it that I shouldn't. And I will always know, based on that type declaration, what values and types I can pass into those methods. Yeah, and, it, and it's very distinguished um, across the API, and, and it's easy to gloss over that fact. But I think it makes it a little more approachable for new developers, for newcomers, uh, or and maybe for people who don't sit in the SDK documentation a tremendous amount or don't want to butt up against the ends and the edges, you know, where the problems start happening and, and oh, I called set value with the wrong um, object, you know, value. You know, I didn't structure my... Um, my lookup reference, my entity reference correctly as an object. And TypeScript gives you that where JavaScript really doesn't. If you take that example, then they get the control and you enter the string for that iframe. Do you then say that, oh, this is not specifically that iframe type that you have defined yourself? The TypeScript definitions that I've worked on um, are when you don't declare a type, when you don't say that you know that this control is a web resource control or this control is a lookup control, then it will give you only the set of methods that are common for all controls. So like get name, you can get the name of the control, and that's pretty much universal across all controls. But if you want to call set value, um, you're going to have to tell TypeScript what kind of control that is, and you're going to have to cast it as a type, because it will know that it's, it's a basic control type, um, and you can cast it up to a more granular type, you know, web resources you can't call set value on, so it wouldn't be appropriate for TypeScript to just allow you to call set value whenever, wherever. So you tell TypeScript by making that cast that what 
you have is a lookup control and then immediately TypeScript allows you to call set value and it'll even um, guard the input for that, uh, the parameter that set value call and say this has to be an object, it has to have an ID, it has to have an entity type, you know, it optionally has to have a name. Um, and when you're going back to the script and looking at it, you don't have to infer so much. The script is kind of telling you exactly what to expect, you know, about the form that it lives in, about the schema that it's working against, about the types um, that are basically being implied uh, by virtue of, of their origin from CRM or from the form and from the, the data model. So you can also use that as a good validation. Um, you can compare the TypeScript uh, and its stronger types against the data model and say, these match. These are accurate across the board. And you can trust that if you were to hand the script off to somebody else for maintenance and they couldn't see CRM, they could step into that script and know exactly the kinds of controls and attributes that you're working with and against. And the maintenance becomes amazingly simpler. It doesn't require a lot of investigation or discovery anymore. How do you use this? Where do you use this in Visual Studio then to, to code? And how can I get started with TypeScript? Um, so there are many IDEs that support TypeScript. Um, two, two of the most popular are certainly Visual Studio and uh, Sublime Text. And they both treat TypeScript as a first-class language now. Um, and that was introduced with um, Visual Studio 2013, um, and it's continued into the new release of Visual Studio 2015. Um, as far as Sublime Text, I don't live in that space. I just know from anecdote that uh, it does treat TypeScript natively and it uh, incorporates it. So developers that live more comfortably in that space have an option and, and they have a way to get into TypeScript. Um, for myself, um, just because it comes natively with Visual Studio doesn't mean it's the latest and greatest. So I, I tend to keep it updated by going to uh, typescriptlang.org. Uh, it's great. They've, they've got the plugins and stuff there. And, and they'll even uh, give you information on how to get started for your development environment. And they support a great many other um, development environments. I think Eclipse is also... Um, supported and, and they have some stuff for that i just popped that up and it says uh, visual studio code webstorm atom sublime text and eclipse so that's pretty big yeah they microsoft to their credit 
across the board, across all their products, have really been trying to reach across the aisle into other ecosystems and developers that are more comfortable outside of Visual Studio than inside it. And TypeScript um, and even the Visual Studio Code um, project uh, are really an attempt by them to to reach into those other development ecosystems and, and get more developers on board, uh, not just for CRM, but you know across their entire stack. Yeah, and it says here that you can install an uh, npm package if you're running Node.js, or if you're not satisfied with this, you can just get the source code and do things yourself. That is actually another great point. Um, the fact that it's open source as a language, I think, keeps the community engaged. And it's probably um, one of the single greatest reasons why it's iterated so frequently. Um, it seems like every year they're, they're pushing out uh, maybe three minor releases uh, I think they're finally up to TypeScript 1.5 now. And when I started using it um, only three years ago, you know, it was 0.08 or 0.8, you know, 0.8. It was definitely brand new, but um, the the power that's, you know, its core power has been fairly well established and, and widely adopted uh, and, and that's one of the great things about it is if I can make it easier for that skill set and the developers that love it to come into CRM and to find CRM more comfortable, then by extension, um, I've done a duty to CRM and in bringing additional developers into that skill set. Or into the product, but you know, as I was saying before, finding good CRM developers is hard. So let's I I am really just trying to make it easier, and I I think as long as we can make it easier for developers outside to come in or to find an avenue in, then we will stop having this problem. Yeah, but but hold that thought because. This CRM Rocks podcast is brought to you by CRM UD, the global dynamic CRM user group with over 70 chapters worldwide, hundreds of new and static virtual learning opportunities, including networking in a true peer-to-peer for user-by-user environment. Connect, learn and share with other dynamic CRM users like you at CRMUD.com. So you've talked a couple of times here about you have worked on something. Do you mean like the definition type? Well, yeah, so definition files might sound a little alien to developers who have never approached TypeScript. And what a definition file is, uh, is a way to tell TypeScript what types exist or how a an established uh, JavaScript 
API or a library can work, uh, you know, alongside all the other TypeScript development. And so when you're describing it, an API uh, from an SDK and it's entirely JavaScript based, you can kind of invent types to describe how that library or that API works. And, uh, you know, especially if that library was not natively authored in TypeScript, which very few of them are. So if I want to learn, you know, if I want to use or consume jQuery, for example, in my TypeScript work, um, I would probably be just as lost and just as dependent on the documentation without the benefit of a definition file. And the truth is, is that there are definition files out there for jQuery um, and for Angular and for XRM. And they all live um, within a repository. It's a community-driven repository called Definitely Typed. And you can find that at uh, definitelytyped.org. They have a myriad of libraries and APIs. I mean, literally anything that you would want to consume or work with um, in TypeScript, they ha there's probably a definition file for that. And the advantage is the definition file gives you stronger IntelliSense or gives you um, greater leverage um, over that API. Like, I did not know jQuery at all <laughs> before I got into TypeScript. And maybe that's an embarrassment or an indictment of my skills as a developer, <laughs> but you know, I had been able to survive CRM development for a long time without needing to know jQuery, and um, I was not really in the web space with my development. I was more in the C sharp kind of back end server space, plugins, that kind of thing. That's that's where I felt more comfortable. And TypeScript gave me a leg up in understanding how jQuery went together, and I pretty much learned. Um, how to use jQuery through the TypeScript definition file. I would go to the SDK documentation on occasion when I was completely lost as to where to start in a particular area. But once I was there, TypeScript picked up and helped me do the rest. And I, I can't really <laughs> give a better... Um, Complement, I think, to TypeScript than that. But my, yeah. I'm. I was going to touch back on. I'm sorry, I kind of <laughs> went off track. But I was going to touch base on the uh, the XRM component, the thing that I had worked on. Yeah, so I was going to say that um, I don't think that that's an embarrassment to not have worked with jQuery if you work with CRM because as I was trying to say earlier is that if you're just doing form scripts and you're packing that into functions, a little function here and there in 2011 you perhaps showed and hidden some fields and then that code is now removed because you can 
do that with customizations nowadays. So I would say that using jQuery with with CRM is perhaps not overkill, but a little bit in my mind. Um, I will agree. I will agree. I'm I, when I got into it. Really, it was for um, the AJAX, you know, being able to write um, web service calls. And for me, at the time, that was right as Dynamic CRM 2011 jumped over that update rollup 12 bridge when I started supporting cross-browser scenarios, and and I wanted to just have to write my uh, Ajax, my web service calls once in my code. And I wanted to have a framework that would just kind of take care of all of the um, different browser implementations for web service interactions, you know, XML, HTTP requests, and, and all of their quirks for me. And jQuery was that. That's that's where I leaned, and that's kind of how or what necessitated my um, introduction to jQuery. And then I kind of grew from there when I did more interface stuff, more custom web resource interfaces inside of CRM, and and used jQuery a lot more for that. But up until that point. Um, I was pretty much living comfortably with TypeScript and um, the TypeScript definition files that I could find that other people had designed and, and developed and written. Uh, another MVP, Damien Sine, uh, out of Argentina, uh, he helped develop one of, the, one of the very first TypeScript definition files for the XRM page API. Um, and I appreciate him for that because that's was my introduction and and I found myself improving it and iterating on it and and I I always just kind of had it um, personally and I wanted to introduce it to the community and getting it into definitely typed uh, and that repository was my goal and if you ever try to get something into definitely typed the the bar is quite high and there's there's a lot of things that you have to do a lot of standards that you have to follow but once you get there it's pretty easy to just keep maintaining it so the challenge was getting there just getting it introduced and I was successful at that this year so the XRM page API is one of their libraries, one of their component libraries. And you can use NuGet to pull it down into Visual Studio. Uh, you just look for definitely type XRM and you'll find it. And I have the uh, version 6, version 7, and version 7.1 definitions. So whichever one is appropriate for your project, uh, you keep. And the rest of them you can exclude from Visual Studio. And I have Parature stuff in there, so I've tried to stay current with it, with each um, API update that Microsoft introduces. Uh, try to keep it well-documented, well-formed, uh, very dense with comments um, and examples and things. And, and there's even a test file that comes along with it, which actually helps 
the build or the definitely typed um, checks because they, they require you to have some tests written against your library and that the compile uh, through TypeScript to succeed, you know, and not break <laughs> through, through those tests. Um, so it, they set a high bar, and I think because of that, the quality of the product and, and where I've been able to put it has been much higher. Um, and getting additional involvement from the community and other adopters uh, has been essential to help me keep maintaining it and improving it. And, and uh, it's up on GitHub for anybody to fork. <laughs> you can you can come take it and fork it and and do your you know make your own contributions to it. That's that's the point. It's not just mine. I'm pretty much the only one developing in it right now, but I'd encourage anybody to come help. And I think that's great because before when I I didn't find it on definitely typed, you could download it from uh, someone has done a little bit here and a little bit there and it, it wasn't complete and wasn't up to date and you had to download it and when they updated it, you had to download it again. Now when it's undefinitely typed and it supports NuGet, you can just right click, say update, get the latest. And as you said, number six, that's short for 2013, seven, that's the current one, 2015. And that's, that's just great for me. Yes, I, I had a version of it that went back to 2011, um, but it ended up becoming, uh, before I realized it, it became the 2013 version. So I haven't gone back to kind of strip out <laughs> the 2013 stuff. So to, to take it back to 2011, um, but there hasn't really been a big need for that. I haven't had a whole lot of calls for that, uh, to actually approach the library that way. I think a lot of developers interested in TypeScript are at least working in CRM 2013 or better. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that version range and just keeping the growth from there. Uh, it was just announced CRM 2016 um, will be coming out. Uh, so I look forward to a version 8. Yeah, I, I saw that. Is this XRM page and the de definition files that what you've been calling earlier on this show that the component that you have developed? Yes, yes, that's the that's the component I was referring to. That's the the definition file there. That that's what I was talking about. Yeah, I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. No, I was just trying to because. You you told about definition types and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's really good because sometimes you can take things for granted. They're not really so obvious. But if I'm developing in TypeScript and and then Visual Studio or the other IDs then compile that down to JavaScript and you then upload that to CRM. That's how it works, right? Yes. Yeah. You the TypeScript compiler very carefully 
um, converts uh, the TypeScript into JavaScript. And it's important to realize that TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript. So all valid JavaScript is valid TypeScript. And there's just a lot more syntactic sugar. There's a lot more constructs that you can give it, like interfaces and modules and classes. And they've tried very hard to stick with the ECMAScript uh, 2015 specification and to steer the TypeScript product alongside the direction for ECMAScript, the standard. So that's ECMAScript 6, right? It was called 6, but they changed the name to right. ECMAScript 2015. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't follow that. Okay, right. So ECMAScript 2015, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if I then run that in my browser and there's something happened even though I have these types, I, I made something wrong either way. I, I casted it to a type that isn't really that type and or something else. So if I start to debug that, then that's JavaScript, right? And I can I recognize my TypeScript from that? No, unfortunately, until browsers themselves start having a native uh, implementation of TypeScript, which, uh, to be honest, I don't think they will. Uh, I, I think there's enough power, and maybe there could be enough community momentum to get them to do that. Um, but if you're debugging, you're going to be looking at JavaScript today. And you're going to be looking at the output of that TypeScript, and it will order things differently than the way that you would fill them in to your TypeScript file. Uh, for the most part, the areas and, and raw script components will be the same, but uh, the functions, uh, the class members, the you know, interfaces, they, they will all be presented a little bit differently in TypeScript. And for me, the best way to make heads or tails of it, uh, once you've got to the JavaScript side, is by having good code documentation. Um, by, you know, just decorating your code with documentation and, and little... Um, but but sorry know. for budging in here, but isn't that why the TypeScript sort of puts out two files, both a TypeScript file and a source file, so that you can load in source files to, to like, say, Internet Explorer 11? The only output um, I've seen is a, a JS map, and that's generally from compressed uh, JavaScript. So if you're you're minifying the JavaScript with the compiler, then you'll also have a JS map that can help reverse that. But that's more for minification and not so much TypeScript. No. I, Is that what you mean? No, actually, you you can load that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that, that source file or that, that JSON file, uh, that's, you can actually load that into Internet Explorer and get the debugger to debug TypeScript. It's pretty cool. Um, I think you just taught me something that I didn't know. If you put that... up the, if you like, just 
press F12 and put up a debugger then you can see there and you can right click that and say oh give me a source choose a source map for this why have I never done this before <laughs> oh my god so so my bad for calling it a source file it's a source map actually so that might put you off but so so in, in Visual Studio the it, it puts out just uh, a, a regular JavaScript that could be minified or not, depending on what you choose. And then it put out the second file, that's that's the source map. And in uh, Internet Explorer, you can um, uh, right-click that tab and say, load this. Oh, okay. You know what? I didn't realize TypeScript was doing that. I'm, I know... Um, uh, Script Sharp also has a similar output. So, okay. That makes sense. I, To be honest, I have never done that before. I should have. I'm, that probably would have saved me a lot of debugging time. <laughs> and I feel a little embarrassed to admit that. But oh, that's... I, thank you. I think that's pretty cool. And, and if you load up Chrome... Uh, I'm not sure how you do that, but I think that uh, it's trying to get uh, the source map automatically. And if you don't have that, I think you can... I'm not sure how you do that, but I'm pretty sure that you can somehow add the source file to that too. Yeah, so apparently it is available for Chrome, Firefox, and IE using using those source mappings and the TypeScript uh, compiler will um, put those out for you if you ask for them. And if we uh, look forward, we have this uh, web API that's coming up in update uh, one, CRM 2015, update one. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a preview. What does that mean? Basically, if you call Microsoft support, they're probably not going to help you using it. Um, the documentation is pretty light. Uh, it's not very strongly structured. Uh, it tends to focus more on the raw uh, HTTP requests and responses that you execute against the web point, which you could expect to get back. But effectively, it's a technology that they want to incorporate into the product. They want to make sure that the developers and, and their customers are not only on board with it, but are excited uh, to have it. And to help prove the, the technology and kind of help be beta testers, um, because it, it is a fairly large bite to take for... Microsoft to just introduce a brand new endpoint that's standards compliant off the board, or, you know, uh, you know, right out the gate, and is leveraging their ASP Web API framework, or at least that's what it seems like to me is that they've built in that framework that they had developed separately for ASP and brought it into CRM. To, to give us all this nice stuff against this preview 
endpoint. But but what does that mean for me? I mean that that they are developing using Web API, but it's for me it's a REST point as any other REST point. Well, so this is the first RESTful endpoint that lets you call custom actions, for example, uh, which is a use case that I have only recently explored myself and love. <laughs> uh, the SOAP model is very cumbersome. It's very complicated, uh, and it tends to involve a lot of string concatenation when you're working against it in JavaScript and String concatenation can be very costly um, from a performance standpoint. Uh, doing XML uh, interpretation is not as efficient as doing JSON interpretation. So the OData endpoint allows you to simplify the transaction. And the old OData endpoint was a very minimized subset of the OData version 2 specification. And this new OData endpoint is basically a complete OData v4 implementation. Um, and it introduces a tremendous amount of features that uh, developers who are familiar with REST and familiar with OData have been clamoring for and asking for for a long time. And to see Microsoft you know, give it to us is awesome. Uh, I think it's really going to encourage, uh, d again, developers that sit outside the Microsoft stack and have these kind of technologies in the Amazon Web Services and, and uh, different cloud providers and, and different application stacks and frameworks. They can bring their skill sets to dynamic CRM and they can wire to CRM together with uh, applications in those other stacks, you know, using their skill sets and uh, know that because it's standards compliant, because it's latest and greatest and it's modern, that it will and should just work. And they don't have to mess around in SOAP anymore if they were never really if that was you never their strong messing around with soap or, or, or with with javascript <laughs> according to me i mean yeah. if if you could do it with the sort of old odata rest point you, you really should and i agree but the old odata rest point would say it would choke on uh, delete operations so if you tried to parallelize um, your writes and your reads. Anytime you tried to parallelize your deletes, you'd get failures because it was not optimistic, con optimistically concurrent, as it were. Um, the o that old OData endpoint would basically just not respond correctly, and you'd have to maybe build in a retry method of some kind or an engine there. But with the new ODATA endpoint, you can uh, simply tag the operation for optimistic concurrency and get um, those deletes just streaming through, and, and you can get your data operations uh, 
much more streamlined, much more parallel, and at the end of the day, that gives you a more responsive application, makes the user happy. And I know from experience that when you can you can do that in your application, when you can leverage that parallelism, you will make the user happy. But just for a naming sake then, what do you call the new one? Is that why you label it web API so that it's different because both is OData and both is a REST endpoint? So you call the new one Web API and the old just OData REST? Or? Well, again, I think that it harkens back to the, to the actual ASP.NET project and the library that they built for ASP.NET called Web API. Uh, so yes, it does allow you to distinguish it apart from the older endpoint. Um, but it also calls out the fact that they're leveraging things that uh, their .NET uh, developers have put together and offer for enterprise development and you know uh, your own projects. So if you wanted to to say put together your own um, Odata v4 endpoint, you could go grab the web API libraries um, from the asps.net. Um, page and incorporate them into your own project and you could kind of gain intrinsically all of these benefits and features that they've tried to introduce to CRM. So should I use this new input with more than just JavaScripts? Let's say other .NET code? You know, from a plugin, I probably wouldn't. And that's Probably because either I'm using the link provider, uh, the language integrated query provider, um, or maybe I'm using the uh, the request response framework, uh, you know, against the OData service. And, and from directly. A, a, and from a, I mean, from a plugin, you you can. You get the endpoint, the 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 soap endpoint, pretty easy. You get the soap endpoint, but it, you're also in an abstraction layer uh, in a plugin. You're you're calling the SDKs API for that stuff. So whether it goes to soap, or whether it goes to OData, or whether it goes to this new web API, Microsoft is in charge of that. So right. they're they're going to take that over. But if I were coming from outside of CRM, if uh, say I was putting together a portal site or a service um, that needed to communicate with CRM, then yes, I would absolutely look to consume this new web API endpoint. So does preview mean that it's production ready then? Honestly, I'm I'm working against it right now, and I'm taking it to production. But I'm a little cavalier <laughs> in that <laughs> right. regard. Um, so I'm going to say your mileage may vary, but if you're going to depend on Microsoft support to you know come and rescue you, then no, not production ready. Uh, nice. I I expect fair enough. I don't have any information, but I expect that 
this preview will actually graduate from preview status in CRM 2016. Uh, it would not surprise me at all to see it actually available for on-premise by that time. But again, I don't have any information on that. That's just what I'm hoping. <laughs> Is there a way for me to transfer from, from if I have JavaScript working with the old OData or even SOAP, can I transfer that to the new one? Could I sort of, I don't know, the structures are different. So the, the query structures for the old uh, endpoint and the new one are different. Um, they've gotten rid of the word set, for example, off of the off the end of you know all the entities. And so there's there's a great deal of it that is not um, directly transferable and would require a conversion. All right, but it sounds to you that it's still pretty similar, that it's developed in the same technical realm, so to say. So Oh, yeah. Right. So like a select query is going to effectively look identical. Um, you get a few more of the, uh, the HTTP commands. You know, you get a merge. Um, you got your push, your delete, your post, um, and your get, and I'm pretty sure that's that's all of them. But there's like one or two more there along the lines. You get some upsert capabilities, so it, it, there's a lot of advantages upsert to converting. Insert or update in in one go. Yes, yes, and and you can actually control whether that upsert uh, operation will um, actually do the insert as well. So you can kind of you can kind of guide the upsert into a, a particular behavior. Um, but I, that's that's really kind of getting into the to the real nuts and bolts of it. The, but effectively, a lot of the query structures are similar. So everything happening uh, in the uh, URL itself is going to be similar. The um, the body, the content uh, that you would send uh, will be generally similar. You know, it's all going to be JSON formatted. Um, all of the you know logical schema names those are going to be used. So. Uh. So, if I'm listening to you here, then I would guess that there are not coming any new capabilities in the old OData REST endpoint, and new capabilities are coming in the new web, web API REST endpoints. So, if I want to follow along and take advantage of these capabilities that are new, and perhaps upcoming, then at least if you're developing new stuff, then I would definitely go with this new endpoint. And when I get the chance to sort of remake or change the old code, then perhaps I would take the time to look into, is it possible to change that from the old to the new one? So perhaps I don't have to do as much code I can produce pre perhaps reduce it 
meanwhile I do some other change. Indeed. And, you know, until they actually mark that old endpoint as deprecated, um, we shouldn't expect to see it go away. So the code that's been written against it should survive for a, a while. Um, but I, I think there's every advantage in moving to the new web API endpoint. Yeah, so even if it's marked as deprecated in 2016, that means that you can use it for that entire version lifespan. And the next version, because they don't, re they don't remove anything until the version after the deprecation. So they, you know, if it's not deprecated in 2016, then version 9 of the product, um, you should be able to continue using it through even if it, it's deprecated in that version. Um, okay. So at least next version then right so you definitely got some years <laughs> yeah to, because it's not really be worried about it now because the other one is in preview indeed indeed all right so i forgot one question back uh, when we were talking about typescript and that was so if i'm trying out typescript and i'm doing a development of that is there any way for me to sort of back out of that is if I'm feeling that it's too much? You know, I got this question um, a couple of times, um, you know, for, for different projects I worked on because for the most part, I was the only developer working in TypeScript and uh, there was some concern and worry that other developers would be able to learn it or, or onboard themselves fast enough to perform maintenance tasks. And at the end of the day, the output is JavaScript. So you can trash the TypeScript part of it if what you've built you're comfortable with taking and evolving from there. So you can always just pick up the JavaScript part of it and continue from there. But I wouldn't do that unless you fully intend to completely obliterate the TypeScript part. Okay, so in short, uh, the IDE that you're using, for example, Visual Studio that outputs JavaScript, and you can just take that and continue with that if you say, oh, something, I blew my foot, I'm burned, I don't want to do it anymore, I just want my JavaScript that I'm I'm comfortable with, you can do that. Yeah, certainly. And you'll be working within the way TypeScript produces its JavaScript, and that's why it's very, I think it's very useful for anybody getting into TypeScript to really watch the two files, to, to watch the TypeScript file and, and to watch the JavaScript file that gets produced and kind of view them side by side. So that way you're maybe a lot more familiar and comfortable with it if you have to um, debug it or, or access it in a way where the TypeScript simply won't be available. Um, and it will give you a lot of information um, about the eccentricities of TypeScript or the way that it treats uh, various keywords, like the keyword this, uh, has a very unique representation and implementation. It's not um, identical to the JavaScript 
implementation of the this keyword. So viewing the way that it translates that to JavaScript is, I think, essential for uh, a developer. Yeah, and, and that that this keyword always can can be a bit of a problem in the beginning if you're turning into a web developer and starting with JavaScript in the first place. Certainly. All right. So if I wanted to start with uh, TypeScript or or Web API, where can I get going? Links, web websites. Do you have well, any recommendations? Yes. So uh, the, the definitely the two recommendations for TypeScript are www.typescriptlang.org. That's L-A-N-G. And www.definitelytyped.org. Um, those are going to be your your first resources for getting the language, for reading the documentation about it, to uh, expanding your horizons with different libraries and APIs, and and the community around TypeScript. Those are completely essential. Um, you can find my XRM page API on definitely typed. You can get it, you know, via NuGet, you know, any other way you, you like, but that's you will find it there. And for the web API, um, the Microsoft F SDK uh, on MSDN is going to be the best place to go find and read a little bit more about it. Uh, and in particular, if you plan on consuming that web API from outside of CRM, uh, as I've been able to do, say, from within node.js, you'll want to brush up on your Active Directory authentication library knowledge. Uh, Microsoft's produced this, this wonderful project um, called ADAL, A-D-A-L, uh, you can find it at azure.microsoft.com, uh, and they have documentation there and articles there about uh, the Active Directory authentication library. And that will get you into Azure. Uh, that will get you into any federated uh, Active Directory environment. Um, and that's an important first step in communicating against uh, this endpoint, this new web API endpoint. Yeah, that's great. And all these links that you said now, we will be sure to add them to the show notes so they can just go there and 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 find them. <laughs> yes, and in fact, I, I will send you my notes too, so you, you have them all. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And uh, so, where can uh, I find you next then? I will be at CRM UG Summit, so uh, and I'll be walking around as one of the CRM medics out there. Uh, I have at least one presentation I'm working on there. I'll be delivering with uh, George Dubinsky and Jason Latimer, uh, and I think one other developer. Um, and I will be talking a little bit more about my Node.js experience, about the web API endpoint, uh, and the fun that I've been having against that. Uh, of course, that's all being done with TypeScript, so <laughs> I will kind of be able to demonstrate everything that I've talked about today 
probably in a very more in a much more constrained time frame <laughs> since I'm co-presenting. But uh, I'll be producing uh, this information on my blog. Uh, you can always go there, crmentropy.blogspot.com. And I am expected to kind of go over this material uh, with more demonstrations. Basically a uh, – what is it called? A redo of my XRM virtual presentation, but I'll be doing it for the CRM user group this fall. So it'll probably happen after Summit, uh, where I'll take uh, all of these topics much more in depth, probably a couple of sessions, and you know, really build uh, some demonstrations, sample stuff that uh, you can take away, from and you know, really explore this stuff on your own. All right. That's great to know. So do you feel that there is uh, anything else that we have missed today, David? Oh, I think we hit it all. <laughs> I, th I think we did. All right, great. Thank you for the, your participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Just search for CRM Rocks in your favorite podcasting app and it's right there. See you next time on CRM Rocks. <laughs>